Today on the show, I'm happy to have Daniel Ward. He's the founder of the Ward Institute. He's a bit of a serial entrepreneur with businesses ranging from being in plastic surgery to aesthetics, to skincare, to real estate. So Daniel, we were just talking about the importance of taking care of yourself first before you can actually take care of others. Yeah, absolutely. So I've always had an itch to be an entrepreneur and I was a really frustrated one. I, st I sometimes still am frustrated with it, but, but really truly frustrated until I learned that I had to take care of me first. Like it really does. It starts with me. And I, once I realized that as the business owner, as the entrepreneur, as the leader of these businesses, if I didn't devote some time and investment in myself, I couldn't be there for my, for my team. And then if I wasn't there for my team, my team couldn't be there to deliver the sort of service that we need to deliver to our clients. And so it's really, I don't think I had to embrace selfishness in order to become more selfless, which is a little bit of a, of a funny thing to, to say, but it's true. So since you did that, was there just a, a major change in what was happening with you and your businesses? Yeah. So it was really a combination of things that we went through a kind of a nasty split with a previous physician that I was going to bring on as a partner. And, and looking back, I mean, I certainly learned a ton from that experience and it was really painful. It was a really painful split, but I really learned a lot. And then that was followed right after that with, with COVID and everybody was scared. Nobody knew what was going on. So a lot of that was just uncertainty, like knowing, not knowing what to do. And it gave me time to reflect and it gave me time to, to truly focus on me and like, gosh, why isn't this working? I'm working so hard. I'm doing everything possible. And what I realized is that a lot of that is just like I, me, I'm the missing ingredient. And a lot of that came from business books, personal development books, listening to podcasts, like finding out like, no, this is, this is not just, just a me problem. This isn't everybody problem. We all have to face that. Some of us are just luckier to, to learn other earlier than, than others of us. So that was really the thing I had to kind of really experience these lows before I realized like, oh my gosh, like I need to work on me. And so I certainly am not happy that I had to go through that overall, but I'm really grateful for the lessons that I learned. And, and a, a friend of mine told me this, it was, he's this really cool facial plastic surgeon and we've been friends for years. And I was kind of complaining to him during the midst of all this about how tough it is and, and all this. I was just kind of whining. He's a kind of a shoulder to, to cry on, I guess. And he said to me, he's like, Dan, like, what do you expect? Like you went to a lot of school to become a surgeon. Did you think the education stopped? He's like, no, 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 It doesn't stop. The education never stops. It's just the tuition becomes a lot more expensive. And that was a really cool perspective for me to have is that, yeah, you know what? He's right. Like I, there's lessons to be learned. And just because I, I didn't have this relationship didn't work out the way that I envisioned it working out. doesn't necessarily mean that I am a failure as an individual. It just means I needed to learn that lesson. And that's really empowering when you realize it's almost like you give yourself permission to make mistakes. And I guess the only thing that you don't have permission to do is to not try to learn from those mistakes. So what were some of those books that you really took some great learnings from? Well, I mean, where do I start? I mean, all the books that, that we hear about, like Good to Great from Jim Collins, all the Simon Sinek books. I really loved The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. Entree Leadership by Dave Ramsey. I'm forgetting so many of them. One of the most meaningful books is one that I read kind of later on. Two, actually two, I'll, I'll name two of them. One was Psycho-Cybernetics, which interestingly is written by, was written by a plastic surgeon. And that is, I mean, that shapes my life every single day. And then the other one is Joe Dispenza's work with Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. I loved that, that book. And 
that kind of re- helped me realize, like, I know I just need to focus on me. Like, I need to be the best version of me so that my team can be the best versions of themselves. So it was a lot of pulling yourself out of your businesses? A lot of that, yeah. I mean, as, as a surgeon, the way that most plastic surgery practices run is that the surgeon is very heavily involved. And in the midst of all this, I was able to, to come across just this amazing operations guy. His name's Matt. Matt's been worth, with us for a long time now. And he does a great job. And he's allowed me to step away from, from a lot of the in-the-business sort of things and focus on the things that I truly need to do, which for me, and I think this is true for most surgeons, but, but definitely for most entrepreneurs, is that we, we are the visionaries. And we, we need to supply that vision to our company. And we need to empower the people that work with us to do their job, which is kind of hard. Like a lot of us are, have maybe some control issues. We want to be in charge and we have a hard time delegating. But the truth of the matter is you just can't do it all. And, and, you're, and if you try, you're, you're definitely not going to do it very well if you're trying to do it all. It's like, kind of like the, that old saying, if you're, you're a, if you're a tinker of all trades, you're a master of none. Like, I think the more I learn, the more we need to, I learned that we need to focus on what we're good at, find out what you're good at and focus on that. Find p- other people who are good at what they do. One of the, one of the best books for that was the six working geniuses by Patrick Lencioni. They tell, it breaks essentially all of us down into six different categories. And we have two strengths or two geniuses and two things that aren't strengths. And it's interesting how we all gravitate to those areas in life that, that give us the most strength. For me, that's kind of like visionary things. Like the two things for me are, are wonderment and galvanization. Those are the two things that are my geniuses. And as I've got other people on the team, it allowed me to kind of focus more on those and, and propel the business forward with that and allow the people who have other geniuses to work on their elements that help them be stronger. When did you make the jump into real estate? And what specifically in real estate did you hit? So my wife and I have always been interested in real estate, but we kind of took a gamble. It was, gosh, it's probably like six years ago, we bought our first investment property and we actually bought it. It's like, oh, this would be a fun thing for us. It's, we live in Utah. Sundance Resort was like an hour away from our house. Like, oh, we'll get a place here. It's really beautiful. It's fun here to hang out. And then we're like, oh, we should short-term rent it. And oh, we should like remodel it. So we turned it into a duplex Airbnb rental. That was really cool. And then we bought another duplex. And then we just kind of went on like these single family duplex, triplex, fourplex sort of purchases. And slowly grew that. And then until this year, we kind of got to the point that, you know what, we, we kind of are, not that we don't enjoy that, we, we, we really do, but we kind of figured that we needed to go into a little bit of a, of a bigger mode. And so we've, we started a real estate fund that can kind of help us grow and u- utilize our expertise. And for me specifically in the medical area, I'm kind of trying to take advantage of the fact that I think commercial real estate overall, if the office space is down a bit, there's all this talk about vacancy rates for for class A office space. Well, as you can imagine in, in medicine and in dentistry, that's not the case. We, we'll always need a place to see our patients. And if we can help, help bring that forward and help encourage that, that's really nice. But also I feel a really, com- a real commitment as I get a little bit older, a little bit more gray to make an impact. And one of the things I'd like to make an impact for is physicians. Cause I think physicians do work really hard. And I think that they have seen kind of their career change a lot. What they thought they were getting into has changed quite a bit with EMRs and all the charting, all their requirements. You feel more like a clerk than a doctor. So if I can help them some way by helping them get into real estate to give them a little bit of an opportunity so they can have a little bit more financial freedom, 
then that makes me feel good too. So that's kind of really what our fund is based around. It's, it's, it's for primarily medical and dental office space, and then trying to help physicians either get into office space or become investors in real estate. So are you then re you basically repurposing some of the, these class A office spaces? What to almost be, let's say they're too large for one, like having a group of different doctors come in? Yeah, our current flavor that we're, that, that we're doing is we are taking larger spaces and turning those into office condos. Because you think about like your family practice doctor, family practice doctor can't afford to build a 30,000 square foot building and then rent it out. Their, their funds are limited. And furthermore, in today's lending environment, I'm not sure how many lenders are going to be crazy about taking on the expense of a 30,000 square foot building. But I think for that family practice, like they, they may not want 30,000 square, 30, square foot building, but they can definitely use a 5,000 square foot office condo that is then there. So they're paying themselves rent. They get some of the tax benefits. They get some of the, the capital leverage that comes with, with owning your own real estate. And I think that's a real way to serve them. So instead of paying rent to some big corporation, these physicians can help. And, and I really feel that just like I'm very passionate about entrepreneurship, classic medicine, the way we think of, of physicians as working is really based on, they're all small businesses. And unfortunately, in my opinion, anyway, over 50% of physicians now practice in an employed environment where they're employed by a large healthcare system, which, I mean, there's pluses and minuses, but overall, I think for patients and for patient care, that's a minus. Because I think in the free market, if it's available to, to provide good, good experiences for patients, it, it will succeed. And I think that we'll see higher quality patient care if we can just empower these small business owner physicians to do that. And so this is kind of my part in it is, is trying to help them achieve those goals. And I think that that brings us to even a larger topic of that it's moved the relationship away from actually trying to set up. It's all about patient care. It should be all about the relationship and how do we actually heal you and do this right? So oh, sure. I mean, it's like anything else, like as, as a, I think sometimes we, we as, as consumers view businesses in a negative fashion, like, oh, they're just trying to sell me on this. And, and I guess I take kind of a different view. Like, no, they're trying to serve you. Like if I, if I hire someone to take care of my yard, they're performing a service for me. They're, they're bringing their expertise to do something that, that I would rather not do. Same thing with physicians. Like this family practice doctor is bringing their expertise, their education, their training, their background, their years of experience to helping treat the, whether it's low back pain, a chronic cough or whatever it might be, they are helping to take care of those things. And it really is about service. And I'm a big believer that, that if you provide your service to your customers, to your clients, that, that the money follows, you know, but it, it really is about service. Like how can we serve each other? And then the financial stuff always follows that. If you just do a good job with fulfilling your primary mission, then everything else falls into place. Yeah, it's well said. And it's, uh, if you can find a way where it doesn't feel like sometimes it starts feeling like a chore to these physicians. And that's, that's when you see the quality suffer. So something like this real estate play where, oh, hey, we're giving you financial stability so that you can really perform your job. That could be something that really does help in the efforts. For sure. There is so much stress and strain and, and so many physicians, I mean, physicians are like any other busy professional or entrepreneur. They get sometimes so sucked into like worrying about like the trees that they can't see the forest because of those trees. And one of those things is like, gosh, I got 40 patients on the schedule. I got to get in and out or I'm going to be super late or I'm going to do this, or I've got to generate this amount of revenue or I'm the, 
the MBA office manager is going to come and get after me for not seeing enough or bringing enough revenue. Nobody wants that. Like no, nobody, the physicians don't want that. The patients definitely don't want it. And so I really try to preach to physicians because physicians kind of think of business overall in general as a negative, like, Ooh, that's kind of dirty. Like money is dirty. And, and I, and I think that if, if that's all you're pursuing, it is, it is that way. On the other hand, if you are trying to pursue a position where you are financially secure, you'll be able to do the things that you actually want to do. And so I think that the getting those freedoms really comes from setting yourself up right. And if, if it helps to have their own real estate investment, then that's something that I feel really proud to be able to offer and help with. How does that work when you're taking a building and cutting it up into these office condos? Are they then separate entities, although it's within that one building? Yeah. So as we start the project, the project starts with, with us identifying the, the prospect. We, for the limited partners, there's four of us as general partners. For the limited partners, they, we are not interested in any deal unless we are confident that we can give a minimum of a 10% annual return. Most of the time, like our, the current main project working on, it's a, it's a two-year project. We estimate that at a minimum, we can safely say that we'll give them 10% per year. So for every 100000 they put in, by the time they get their money back in 24 months, they'd get their 100000 back, plus they'd get another 10000 per year, so another 20000 So they'd get 100000 plus 20000 back. But then, we, but then we, of course, we split the proceeds with the limited partner so that they would get a little bit extra. So the, the, the very minimum, in other words, if we feel like we're selling these office condos at like fire sale prices, we won't take on the project unless we're highly, highly confident that we're going to do the minimum of 10%. Of course, we could never offer a guarantee, but as close to a guarantee as you could offer in this sort of thing. So, so it's a pretty good guarantee and it's a pretty nice way. And then there's also, as, you, as you're aware, there's a lot of tax benefits that can come from, from investing in real estate. And so we want, also want to help whether it's physicians with that or other investors who are looking to, to maybe push a tax bill down the road or whatever, they can do that through real estate. And then also we're all, in addition to offering this real estate to physicians, the very first people we offer to invest as limited partners are the people who are going to purchase the office condos. So that family practice group, in addition to, to getting their own office space at a good rate, they are also offered first in line to be limited partners on the project so that they would be first in line as individual investors to be able to take advantage of the profit on the building itself. So that's kind of a cool thing. Yeah, sounds like a great vehicle. How would somebody get in touch with you to learn more about that project or just get in touch with you? So overall, the best way to get in touch with me, you can reach out to me on social media, on Instagram, TikTok, I'm at, at WardMD. You can also reach out to me at email doctor at WardMD.com. Those are probably the two best ways. Well, thank you, Dan, for coming on the show. And thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of Failing to Success. Make sure to subscribe. I'm your host, Chad Kalecki, and we'll see you next time. Yeah.